Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is going to be a great show. My guest today is Jessica Golson. She is the program director for U.S. Vets Inglewood. And I just want to mention that is in California because I know there are Inglewoods in other parts of this country. So welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you so much, Marcia. This is going mm-hmm. to be a lot of fun because... You have such a passion for what you do, and it certainly comes across in the conversations that you and I have had prior to this podcast. So before we get into what it is you do, I thought it would be great for you to just share a little bit about yourself. Who, who are you? Tell us about you. Well, Marsha, I am Jessica Golson, the program director at U.S. Vet Inglewood, um, but before Coming to this, if we go back into um, what got me to this point, so I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, both of my parents uh, um, are Southerners, um, but my father, who is a Army or was an Army veteran, um, was stationed in Fort Knox, Kentucky, and um, came to Louisville for a party and met my mother there um, in the early 60s. and. They, of course, um, got married and had seven children. I am the youngest of those seven. Um, I grew up there with my parents um, until I left and went to college in Alabama um, at Alabama A&M University and um, obtained my degree in psychology. After that, I came to California for my graduate degree at Pepperdine University, which I obtained a graduate degree in clinical psychology, and after that began working in the nonprofit sector of uh, mental health and have done that for quite a few years, for almost 20 years here in Los Angeles County. That's great. I, I It so qualifies you to transition to where you are today. And with Veterans Day being on Thursday, and I don't think there's anybody in the country that isn't grateful for what veterans have done for us. My father was also um, in the Army. And, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of issues going around, going across our country, which is why your organization got started to begin with. And I thought you could just share with us, tell us about what U.S. Vets Inglewood is all about. Of course. Um, I think it's a great time for us with uh, Veterans Day approaching on Thursday. We want to make sure that we take this time to honor those who have served us, like my father and your father. And our site um, has been an integral part of 
um, not only honoring veterans, but making sure the veterans that we have that come back um, after service are receiving the support they need. So um, a little bit about our Inglewood site. So that is the inaugural site for U.S. Vets. Currently, U.S. Vets is a national um, organization, nonprofit organization that works with um, unhoused veterans who are looking to regain their life back in the community after many of them have come back home from service. Um, Inglewood, our site was started in 1993 by Judge Harry Perkinson, who is, was also a World War II veteran. Um, he noticed in that time that there were quite a few unhoused veterans that he was interacting with. And so with his relationships in the community, he was able to garner space, which happened to be at our site here at um, on Hendry Street in Inglewood, 733 Hendry in Inglewood. Um, and he started the program with five unhoused veterans. And we have now grown to um, over 32 sites nationally. And at our site, we serve over a 1,000 unhoused veterans every year with a variety of services, whether that be housing, um, career development, case management, and support to make sure that they are not left alone when they come back home um, and we are able to house them and help them regain that independence. Wow. It's, I don't, wherever you might live as you're listening to this show, it's possible that you have seen people that are living unhoused. Um, and I know that it's interesting, unhoused, homeless, it's, it, it, they're, they're interchangeable terms. And we, we really, it, it's a sadness to, to rec- it's a sadness for anyone to be homeless. Let me, let me, let me not mistake by saying that. But when people have been so generous to give of themselves, to dedicate themselves, to risk their own lives for our, for us, and then to find themselves unhoused or homeless is is very sad and that's why i think like you said in 1993 um this this program became so available um for for our veterans and i'm i'm curious you you mentioned um your dad and and family members um what what specifically led you to the US vets that's a great question, Marsha. Um, so I had been working, I've been working here in Los Angeles for several years um, with the homeless um, population and also with those who um, have battled substance abuse. Um, and what I did was uh, the last seven years, I started to work more in managed care and behavioral health. So still working with those who had um, housing, substance abuse, and mental health issues, but more on the insurance side of things. And after a few years, I must say that I had um, become uh, burnt out and wanted to reconnect um, with the community and those that I had initially started my work with. Um, I noticed the growing issues with homelessness here in the city. Um, But as many people um, experienced in 2020, COVID, of course, happened, and at that time in July, uh, my father unexpectedly passed, and 
one of the last conversations I had with him actually was uh, in December when I went home for the holiday, and we sat um, at the edge of his bed. And um, one of the things my father was most proud of was his uh, military photos. He had uh, lots of photos of his time in the Army, and um, we talked a lot about that. And and it was it was just such a moment for me. We had talked over the years about his uh, mm-hmm. time, but he had um, that that conversation. I don't I don't. It, it was just a, a a monumental time in our relationship. And so when um, just a few months later, six months later, when he passed away, I think it uh, tremendously shifted my family's. Um, experience in life because we hadn't had a lot of unexpected deaths, but also um, shifted me and what I um, wanted to do with my life and and the work that I was doing. And um, I left the organization that I was with and wanted to get back involved in the community. I am a resident of Inglewood, California, and um, I had heard of this um, place called U.S. Vets. I have several veterans that live around me, um, and I deeply connected with it, and I reached out to them about um, employment and uh, successfully became program director. Um, And it has been changing events emotionally, being able to uh, work with our veterans. um, It has, in a way, connected me back to my relationship with my father and what he was so proud of. Um, But it also gives me some fulfillment uh, related to that connection um, because it was such an extreme loss. But being able to give back my time to uh, veterans such as my father has been life-changing, and I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, I can can hear that, and I, I can see the legacy. I can see what you're saying. Um, you were already in the work of helping people, but as you mentioned, because of his uh, immense pride in service and that time you spent together not knowing what was maybe going to be happening, maybe you did, but I can see where it, it lit a light for you and said, you know, I already have these skills and why not dedicate them and focus them on something that was so important to my dad and so important to the family members that may or may not even know where their family members are today if they're on the street there's there's the uh, I'm I'm so interested Jessica in hearing some of your stories I am a story collector, and I believe we all have them. And certainly people that find themselves homeless have their stories. We don't know when we see somebody homeless if they're a veteran or not. And and I, I just I want to applaud you for following that gut, that gut reaction that said, this is this is something that I can do. This is something that's meaningful to me. This is something that connects me to my dad. And I'm sure he would be so proud of you. Did he live to know that you took on this assignment or had he already passed prior to that? 
He actually had passed prior to that, but I will tell you that um, I come from a family uh, rich in um, military veterans. Um, my uh, sisters, I have two sisters who are veterans who are still alive, and so they are able to see this. And I have a brother who mm-hmm. was a veteran and other countless family members since the passing of my father, my uncle, who was 23 years um, in the Army and a very proud veteran, passed away. And um, another uncle of mine who was also a very proud Army veteran passed away. So my family has a very rich history in uh, military services. As I stated, this, that's how my parents uh, technically met from my father's time and um and with that, my father even encouraged um, my siblings, my older siblings, to go into the military because of the opportunities that it did afford them to be able to um, see the world, serve your country, and have a, a pride, um, whether we know that there might be issues um, in America, but having that pride for your country was something that my father and my family uh, definitely stood for and um, took a lot of, uh, had a lot of pride in that time that they served. Like I said before, my father often pulled out those photos of his time in the military because it was one of the most proud moments of his life. Um, And he was able to not only create a life for himself uh, with his time in the military, but also for his family when he left the military. he was able to have an experience that some, you know, especially some of the homeless um, guys that we interact with and uh, women, um, when he left the military, he did have someone waiting for him. He had a wife and a family. Um, some of our uh, veterans that leave the military often return home without having that stability, which sometimes leads to their homelessness, but it doesn't negate all the work that they did do while they were um, doing their service. Uh, as I as I listened to you tell your story, I was thinking about my dad, and he passed away many years ago. But in my attic, I have all of his badges and his <laughs> sash and his uniform. He went from the Army and then went into the National Guard, where he retired ultimately from the National Guard. But... I bet you can relate to this because you're the daughter of a man that was in the military. <laughs> and that is, um, it was, there was a systematic way of him being how you fold your clothes, mm-hmm. how yes. you have an orderly way. When you say, when I ask you to jump, you're supposed to say how high. And, you know, there, there, there was order in my home. Mm-hmm. And, and that came absolutely from my dad and how he, he was eight. He wasn't even 18. Jessica, he was, he, he had to lie about his age because he just missed being 18 so that he could enlist in the military and fight in World War II. So, you know, it, it's, it's, I think that there's probably many people listening to this that could add their own story, either because it was something personally that they did. A couple of years ago, I had a, a friend of mine from high school, actually junior high school, a twin, 
and she was an army nurse and actually is actually was in the hospital working in Vietnam when she was a nurse in her military experience so it it covers a wide variety of people serving doing what they do regardless of whether it was the army the air force the marines i just think oh, that we're I definitely we're, agree yes it's so, <laughs> so true so sorry. it's yes it's it's yeah. very true. I can agree with you. My father was definitely uh, um, that same example um, in our mm-hmm. household. He was very much very orderly, um, very organized. Uh, a lot of the philosophies that he learned into the military in the military he carried over in our house. Uh, very similar to your father. My father, um, growing up, he he was born in the '30s, and so when he um, was 17, he had had desires to go off to college, and at that time it was um, he had a desire to go off to a black, historically black college just because of the time, but his family didn't have the money. And so Mm -hmm. for many young men at that time, the alternative was either try to figure out a job or you go into the military, and that was what he felt like was the best option for him at 18. Mm -hmm. And he went into the military and um, learned a lot of the core values that he carried over in raising us um, with the order, orderliness, with being organized, with being on time, being prompt, keeping your word. Um, yes, and that all of those helped things. develop us as individuals. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that the military not only gave him that great opportunity for someone who wasn't able to go off to college because he didn't have the money, but it gave him an opportunity to experience the world, travel places, and learn things that um, in turn helped develop his children into um, the productive citizens I, I think we are today. That's, it's terrific. And I, I know that you mentioned earlier that this is a national organization. And for those of you that are listening that don't live here in the Los Angeles, Inglewood area, um, you can simply go to usvets.org and you can look to see where the other locations are. In, in the case with Inglewood, you have your own, um, um, website um, which um, has Inglewood attached to that and I will certainly include that um, in the follow-up um, blog so that people can can visit your website and see precisely some of the things that you guys are doing right there because I, I don't recall and I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't know the answer to this how many different US vet locations are there across the country do you happen to know off the top of your head? Yes. We currently have 32 sites. Um, okay. We have our larger sites are here in Los Angeles County um, in, uh, in the Los Angeles area. We have our inaugural site here at Inglewood at 733 South Hendry, um, but we also have another site in Long Beach. We also have another site in the Inland Empire, but we also have um, – which the, the Long Beach site is also one of our larger sites. And then we have two sites in Hawaii that are our larger um, sites also, which a lot of military um, families come out of Hawaii. But we are in other states across the U.S., uh, like D.C., Arizona, um, uh, Las Vegas. So 
people can find out about us if they are interested in um, getting information about the organization as as a whole at www.usvets.org. But you can also on the site uh, look at each site specifically and learn mm-hmm. more about what they offer. Yes, terrific. That. That's 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 great. And so let's talk about your responsibilities. I have a feeling they're enormous and um, <laughs> because I've done a little work with nonprofits, so I know that. And so let's talk about what what you are responsible for doing as that program director. Tell us about that. What's a typical day like for you? <laughs> well, I'd like nothing's to typical, day, right? Typical, <laughs> yeah, no, never. Okay. I will. I can say I'm very blessed to have a great team at the Inglewood site that helps support our services. So it is not me alone. Um, mm-hmm. I have over uh, 70 staff members that help. Um, we have a whole clinical team, and I have a director of behavioral health that runs the clinical department, which encompasses case management. So that's a lot of the clinical interventions when people come off the street and have different barriers that they're experiencing um, mentally, whether it be uh, issues around trauma, issues around um, the trauma while they were in the military or currently uh, what they might have experienced in homelessness, but also a case management team that's able to support them and look at the needs and the barriers um, that they have so we can help address, like, how to um, re-engage you with your family or re-engage you with um, housing support. Um, we also have a program team that is really a big arm of our whole program that um, looks at um, doing outreach and how the program runs and how um, each veteran incorporates themselves back into what we call our therapeutic community um, and gets that support. So we have several different um, pieces our program that I basically oversee, um, whether that be our program department, our clinical department, the financial um, fundraising arm, our food services. So there's several um, components to making sure um, our program runs successfully. And I would never just say that I'm the only one overseeing or just looking at that. We have team members, but I'm responsible for overseeing um, all of those portions to make sure we have appropriate funding coming in and the programs are running and clinically um, the veterans are getting what they need, but also uh, whether it be career development, our food, we, we do provide three meals a day for all veterans that come in and live with us. So there's a lot of different moving parts that um, I'm responsible for overseeing. But I must say, again, I have a great team that helps support our veterans in doing all of that. Let me ask you, you mentioned food services, and and I realize this is going to be a regional question because we're neighbors. Um, But (laughs) there's a food pantry in Inglewood. Are they, do you, you, are you able to connect with those services, um, with your services, or are you getting your food services separately from that? So we, we from our funding, we're able to provide the three meals a day for um, any of the veterans who are living in our program. So at our site, we have both temporary and permanent housing. So our program supports both. Our food services program supports both uh, the temporary 
and permanent housing um, residents, but it's more for our temporary um, veterans. So there's a small fee for those who are permanent. And what we do do is partner with different programs within the community who do have food pantries and do offer food services because sometimes um, some of the veterans who are in permanent housing, although they will never be turned away from eating um, in our dining hall, if they do need um, more food security and support, they can tap into the different um, food pantries around the city. Um, and we make mm -hmm. sure that that uh, information is available to them. But also we do allow other programs to come in and uh, provide supportive food to some of the more permanently housed veterans that live on our site. Well, I know just as you mentioned that as a side, um, my Rotary Club, um, Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary, will actually be coming to your site on, I believe it's the 19th, Friday 19th, the 19th. Yeah. and yeah. um we will be serving i believe we'll be we'll be we won't be i don't i don't think we're preparing correct but we will be providing we will be yeah. serving the we'll veterans that come them. in that's that's terrific mm -hmm. and it will be at your site so at your site um that's where veterans can come do they actually come physically to your site and get their three meals a day regardless of their permanently or temporary or not even housed at all, they can walk in and get their meals there? Yes. So for the veterans who are temporarily housed there, we have a dining hall for veterans. Many of them call it the chow hall, which is a uh -huh. familiar term sure. to many veterans. So there we have um, a full staff that prepare three meals a day. Um, all of our temporarily housed veterans do come and access those meals. Those who are permanent can also come and access those meals for a small fee. Um, if there is a veteran who is out in the community who is coming to uh, receive services at our site, of course, we will make sure that they eat. But if there is a veteran in the community who um, is just hungry and um, would like to come to our site to eat, we will make sure that they um, also are able to eat and that no veteran will ever go hungry um, right. under us. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's great. I'm, I'm thinking about um, your veterans and some of the things that your organization supports, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to visualize. It, of, of the veterans that you see, so where, where this dining hall is, is that also mm -hmm. the physical, the chow hall, is that also the physical location there on Hendry where permanently housed veterans live right there where the chow hall is? Yes, yes. So they live I right see. on site. So we have um, apartment units uh, that mm -hmm. both the temporary and permanently housed uh, veterans live there. So we um, currently have over 600 veterans that live on site, uh, whether they be permanent or temporary um, they come into, so many of them come in through our outreach program. Our, we have a team of outreach workers who's also um, made up of veterans who go out mm -hmm. into the community. So um, L.A. County has, I think, the largest just number of unhoused veterans in the nation. And so what we do is we go out into the different encampments. Uh, I know there's mm -hmm. been several um, throughout the city, especially during COVID, 
And so what we have done is that we go out into the community and talk to those who happen to be veterans and offer them different housing solutions, whether it be for them to come in our program. Currently, um, there's uh, housing support for veterans um, through hotels um, just to get them off the street during COVID. But if they are interested in coming to our program, they are then assessed and they can come into our program and start living uh, the same day. Um, immediately, they're engaged with the case manager. They also are linked with our income and benefits specialist. Uh, we have a computer room, which is a career development um, oh, nice. uh, center on site that they are then um, matched with a career development assistant who goes over their skill set. If they uh, were working before, we go through that because we also have partners within the community that are willing to ha- um, employ our veterans. Uh, but if they are not working and um, they are disabled, we also have, like I said, the incomes and benefits specialists. So we're able to start them out immediately with making sure that they are housed first, we have the meals there, which you will not go hungry, and then immediately engaging them with our case management and career development team so that we can start to rebuild um, um, with them and see where they want to go after they leave our um, site, if they happen to leave our site, um, to get housing outside of um, our site there at Inglewood. Well, what, what I'm curious to know, um, are we talking about individuals and veterans that maybe also have a family, or are, are, are mm-hmm. you able to house that veteran that has a family? Or just the veterans oh, yeah, themselves. Yes. Yeah. You take no, the whole so family. So we have a we have a program called SSVF. So it is supportive services for veterans' families. So at our site, we do just house um, male veterans. But if there is a veteran who has a family, we are able to provide that support. So our Long Beach site takes women and children, um, but our SSVF program able to take funding and place that family in a temporary housing solution until we're able to find um, permanent housing for that family. So we are able to provide support for both, but at our site specifically, it is for uh, single males. So if there is a veteran who happens to have a family, if they have a wife or children or a partner or anyone, we are still mm-hmm. able to um, give you information and connect you to um, our SSDF program, which will support your family in being housed, which we provide um, rental assistance. Uh, we provide clothing, um, uh, items for your home, um, and those things that are needed. So there's nothing that we can't do to help support a veteran family get back on their feet. And just so I'm clear, is that S, S like Sam, Sam, B like boy, F like Frank, SSBF? No, it's uh, it's SSB, veteran family. So oh, SS- services, supportive services for veteran families, yes. Okay, so I'm sorry, SSBF. I'm sorry, just say it one more time. Supportive services, so SSB for veteran and F for families. 
Got it. Thank you so much. All yeah. right. Well, that's really that's really that that's helpful to know um, because. I, I didn't know the answer to that, and, and I didn't realize that um, in the Inglewood office, Inglewood area, that it's, it's the men only. But in the Long Beach area, it is, it's for families, and, and that's really good to know. Um, talk, you, you've talked a lot about the programs and, and things that your services provide, and I'm just thinking about I'm sure that there are so many programs that you would probably be so proud of um, as you've been working with with the men that, that come into your building because they're, they're also, if I understood you correctly, not only are they at your Hendry address, um, and I, is that 600 beds there at your um, Hendry address? Yes. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and then and then behind beyond the six hundred beds at at Inglewood, then you have hotels that you um, that you also work with. That if you have more than six hundred, that they can go somewhere else. Well, the the hotels are just a, a temporary solution right now during COVID because oh. we wanted to make sure those who are unhoused there would be no barrier to them receiving support and um, having. Uh, coverage during this time. So normally when we would assess a veteran, we assess them uh, whether they're a good fit for our program here at Inglewood. During COVID, we will also provide um, support for uh, veterans if they need to go into um, a hotel just to provide that uh, support. But uh, normally we would just be looking at whether they were a good fit for our Inglewood site, and if not, then we would look for other um, other programs that might be a good fit for them if they need to go into a hotel. Like if it is a family, we are able to accommodate that. Um, but we also look to see if they're a good fit for any of our other programs. Is there a limit to how long they can stay in in those 600 beds of those of the, of the gentlemen that are staying with you? Well, if they're permanently housed, no. Um, but different programs that we have under our umbrella, the temporary programs, there are different time frames, but most veterans can stay um, in our temporary program for a year. And what we hope to do is in that year be able to help that veteran get the social services that they need to um, be reconnected if there's um uh, veteran services that they might be entitled to. We make sure we connect them with those, but also looking at other, like if there's mental health treatment, substance abuse treatment that's needed, and then the career development portion and the time that it will uh, take to permanently house them. Usually we're looking at about a year that a veteran stays with us. I see. And if someone is um, um, having drug abuse issues, or like you say, you know, some really mental crisis, your team is there to help support them in that? Yes, yes. We have a whole clinical and case management team that will be able to support and assess them, but if need be, if we need to refer them to a detox program or a residential substance abuse program, we have the staff that are there to that are able to appropriately assess and um, make sure that the veteran receives support to get those services, yes. That's wonderful. 
I'm just curious. I'm thinking about these 600 men, and I'm thinking, is there an average age? Is there a certain age of these 600 men that you have? Um, I would say there there isn't an average age, but what we have noticed is that our our population is aging, um, but especially when we look at those that are um, on the permanent housing portion. Currently, we have seen um, some younger veterans coming in, some that were a part of the war um, that have come, returned home and are experiencing homelessness. But a lot of the veterans in the past that have uh, become permanently housed are uh, veterans of um, uh, the Vietnam War, Gulf War, and stuff like that uh, who came home and might have experienced uh, homelessness. They are starting to age. And so what we've tried to do is also be very mindful of that. So um, making sure we adjust our um, services to support them as they age. Um, But we have noticed that there are um, a few younger veterans that mm-hmm. are starting to enter our program that uh, might have been a part of the more recent wars. Yes. I think what we've also noticed, whether you're a veteran or not, um, in the part of the country that you and I live in because of the temperature, because of the weather, that draws a lot of people to our communities because they're not going to be faced with snow and sleet, you know, and, and freezing conditions. And sometimes that's mm-hmm. very um, advantageous for people to get themselves over here if they can. And um, I can see where, you know, like you were saying, that aged um, military man, you know, it, it's it could just be very difficult physically for them to be on the streets um mm-hmm. and for them to be able to be treated with such respect and um with the intention of of an option because this permanent housing is as you mentioned is for a year it's not for a lifetime and no the per- um, permanent housing is permanent the temporary portion oh, really? is for a year yes yeah, so the we only have so many permanent slots and because uh, currently the permanent uh, portion is full that we then try to connect uh, our veterans with other housing options within the community. So a lot of our veterans, they leave um, our site and go out into the community to other apartments, um, whether it be here in Inglewood or throughout Los Angeles County. But there are housing options at our site, permanent housing options. It's just that we're currently full, so we're connecting them. The permanent portion, I mean the temporary portion, of course, tends to last about a year. And in that time, we hope that uh, a veteran is completely connected to all the services they need. Sometimes mm-hmm. we will go over. Um, I won't. I would never say that we just kick them out after a year. Yes, of uh, course. But it usually takes about the kind of, uh, get your bearings back, right? Uh, someone has been out on the street. They've they've gone from um, a lot of the organization and structure that you spoke about earlier with our fathers. So they, they've gone maybe from being in the service at 18, having a very structured life, uh, knowing when they're going to eat and, and, and when they're going to do certain things, to then coming back into um, civilian life and maybe not having the support or the things that they need 
So they might experience that homelessness, which can dysregulate anybody, and then come back into our program where you're able to get that structure back that many are familiar with, but also get that support from your fellow veterans, um, which is very familiar to a lot of them, and they're able to reestablish that community. And so when they do leave our site, if they get permanent housing outside of our site, they're still now um, reconnected with fellow veterans who are mm-hmm. now back in civilian life also and able to provide them with additional support so they're not I, just left alone. I bet. And as people are listening to this right now, that we're, we'll just talk about Englewood at this point, how can they support you? Can, do, can people bring you items? I mean, obviously you, you will always accept a financial donation, I'm sure, but how how are other ways, I mean, there's, you can never go wrong with supporting somebody financially, but what are some of the other ways that people can um, support you? Oh, well, thank you for that, Marsha. Yes, we do. Uh, we are open to financial support, which uh, um, if any of your listeners are um, interested, they can go on our site and um, submit financial support. But um, we also have different community partners and different people um, like to come out and do service projects to help brighten up our space or to provide education to our veterans or information. Um, We do have a um, activities and um, events arm uh, to our organization, but what we'd like to do is have, like your organization, uh, come out, do um, provide meals and and fun activities. I think we're going to do a bingo. Which we are. Love we're going to play bingo. bingo. <laughs> <laughs> they, the guys love bingo. It's a fun time. Um, and we have other organizations that like to come out and do events, but also provide education um, around different services that are provided. So when they leave um, our um, location, they are connected with the community. They might um, also have new information that they were not aware of, but then also just the socialization and the interaction with the community by doing something something as fun as bingo just kind of helps everyone reconnect because sometimes if if you're not aware, homelessness can be very isolating, right? Oh, yeah. A person is is, um, uh, disconnected oftentimes from their family and from their friends and what's familiar and reconnecting with people and being able to play games and be jovial and um, and just spend a moment with someone that's genuinely interested in you, I think it's great. So we are open to volunteers at our site. If uh, uh, people would like to come in, they can go on our website to find out more about uh, volunteering. Um, mm-hmm. We have an advisory council of people within the community. That's another way but also becoming a financial partner and supporting us um, that would uh, also help uh, as we feed veterans or provide more services. Anything financial um, is always welcome to help uh, greater serve the veteran population. I'm sure. Well, So I I mentioned at at the beginning of our conversation that I'm a story collector, and I know that there are plenty of success stories that you have had through your um, U.S. vets at the Inglewood location, and I would just, I would just love for you to share a story or two about about someone that's 
had a success. I'd love to hear it. Oh, of course. We have so many um, successful veterans that um, went into the military at a young age, came back, um, experienced barriers, um, like one of our um, residents, Mr. Harris, who um, was an Air Force veteran who served for four years in the Air Force. Um, he discovered us while incarcerated. He did um, become incarcerated at one time. We have a program that is specifically um, targeted towards veterans um, and those who were previously um, incarcerated. He had completed his medical degree um, and um, and at our site, when he came from um, being incarcerated, he was able to start working towards gaining employment with his medical degree. Of course, um, he had a record, so he was able to work with um, some lawyers that we connected him to. He was able to get his um, record cleared, and um, soon after, he was able to uh, get employed initially. He was employed as a janitor. Um, he then became supervisor and then um, eventually got a job at a biotech company utilizing his uh, medical degree um, and was able to reestablish himself. Um, so he is a pathologist, and um, he currently is looking for a new job. He was laid off from that job because it was sold during COVID, but he is currently still working, um, doing his, uh, doing jobs right now just until he's able to uh, find another position. But we have a lot of veterans like Mr. Harris who have extreme skill sets, who have experienced some type of barrier in life that might have knocked them off track but was able to come back into come into our program, um, work with our career development team, um, work with attorneys to expunge his or clear his record, and is now able to work back in the field that he initially um, desired and is quite a productive citizen in the community, and hopefully he can uh, go on to another biotech company or um, another company that will take his services he was not laid off by um, any reasons of his own, just the current sure. economic situation. But that that's a success story, someone who left incarceration who was a veteran sure. who was able to then reestablish their life, and we take great pride in that. I bet you do. How did, where did he, where did, was he, how did he get his medical education? Was this, where was that in his it was, journey? It was prior. It was prior. So he started started it. Uh, he uh, had um, medical experience prior to coming to us and um, was derailed when he became incarcerated. So he was able to complete those things. Um, and then when he came to U.S. Vets, um, I think he was a little hopeless just because, mm -hmm. you know, he had now this record. But after working with attorneys in our career development center, uh, he was able to clear that and um, continue on with his uh, medical journey and uh, become a pathologist. So, um, wow. 
That's quite it, a story. It, it, it's, yeah, it's an amazing story of someone that uh, experiences a small hurdle but is able to recover from that and still become successful. I love your website, Jessica, because you see smiling faces. I'm looking at a man on your website right now that's standing in front of, and, and, and let me ask you, so he's, he's holding cucumbers in his hand, <clears throat> and there's a picture that I also have that says, Heroes Live Here. Is that your, mm-hmm. is that your actual Hindry site? Yes, that's our site, and that's our Wonderful. banner. And um, those are our veterans. We have, um, as a part of our therapeutic community, we do have some um, some gardening boxes that we do grow fresh fruits and vegetables. Nice. That's a part of just therapeutically allowing the veterans to come back and be a part of the community to grow. And um, lots of them are connected to our flowers and in our garden portion um, of the site. But we we just like to constantly reinforce um, who we're there for and who lives there. Just because you've experienced a barrier in life, it doesn't take away the fact that you are a hero and that you have been willing to, at some point, put your life on the line to uh, defend us here in America. And so we uh, fly that banner with pride because that is who lives here. It's heroes. Wow and people that um, said it was okay for them to take a chance to defend us. And although they've experienced some barrier, it doesn't take away from the fact of how we view them as a hero to um, our freedoms here. Nicely said. So as as we're coming to the end of our hour, I think that this is uh, an important thing that I would like you to be able to tell us about, and that is, we, we, you've, you've shared some really important information from permanent housing, temporary housing, minute your location, families at the Long Beach location, and I'm sure it also varies like that from location to location, and I'll make sure that people know how to find all of that, and your case management and all of the different services, um, your health clinic, um, all of those program teams, the financial support, all of those programs that you mentioned um, are, are so vital. So what would you like our listeners to take away from, from what you shared with us today? What, 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 are, what's, what do you want to make sure people don't lose focus on? Um, Marcia, that's a great question. I would just want to remind um, your listeners of uh, the importance of services such as uh, U.S. Vets. We want to continue to support those who have um, supported us and supported our country, but we want them to just realize, too, just because someone has um, experienced a barrier or a hurdle in life does not mean that we throw them away, that we still support our veterans and provide the services they need and we are um, able to make sure we're present and that um, our veterans are very resilient people. Um, and we want to make sure that we continuously extend our hand to support them the way that they have supported us. So um, if any of your listeners are more interested in our services, um, please, please go to our website at usvets.org. 
backslash Inglewood um, because we we do want to make sure that we are ending this crisis of homelessness, but also we want to make sure that those who have put their life on the line for us know that we are always here to make sure that they will be protected the way that they have put their life on the line to protect us. I love that. And I, I'm looking, I am looking at your um, website for those of you, and I'll make certain that I, you know, indica- you know, that I hyperlink all of this because there are, there's, there are fact sheets. You mentioned Judge Harry uh, Pregerson, um, the Veteran Stabilization Program. There is information about that program. There is information. You do have a fact sheet. You do have Volunteer for Veterans. Um, you do have your advisory council. These are all downloadable um, documents. And I'm I'm looking at your um, veterans served. Perhaps you could help me understand this. Um, when I'm looking at that, and I, I, are you able are you able to actually look at that while I'm looking at it at the same time? Um, I'll try because, to. <laughs> all right, that would be great. Because what I'm curious to know is. Um, I'm looking sort of more like at a timeline. So it says veterans served, and it says bed nights, 61,881. Is that 61,000 over a period of time? Is it, you know, your 600 beds that are, um, you know, your your permanent location, then you've got your temporary locations. I'm just trying, if somebody was looking at this site, they might have this, mm-hmm. that same question that I have. So I'm just a little curious about what those, how those numbers sure. relate to what we're talking about. Of course. So those speak to how many nights uh, U.S. Vets has housed a veteran. So each night that we keep a veteran off the street, they are able to come into our our site, sleep in a bed, and not sleep on the street. We count that, and we have over 60,000 uh, um, bed nights counted for um, our Inglewood site, and we will continue to have beds and serve um, our veterans until um, homelessness for American veterans no longer exists. So, it is our goal that one day it will say zero because we hope that every veteran will eventually um, not need our services but will Certainly. be permanently housed and independent. So the 61,000 represents a calendar year, five yes. years. So yes. that, so that's, that was year. really – so what I'm looking at yes. right here, and I think that's why uh-huh. I really wanted to press you on this so I'm clear – that 61,000 number is the calendar year of 2021. Am I right? Yes. And those yes. 66,000 meals, calendar year, and those, those placed into jobs, 80, and those um, engaged by outreach, 608. And this number, this is also a wonderful number, mental health assessments, Almost 2,500 mental health assessments, and yeah. I, I mean, I just and and you know what? And the budget is there, and I think that that's important for people to recognize that this doesn't happen because you're cute. This doesn't just happen because you're nice or because you have a wonderful group of 70 staff members. This happens because people are engaged, 
and because of your ability to explain this, whether it's to me on my podcast or at our Rotary Club a few months ago or Chamber of Commerces, wherever that might be where you can then get the support of the communities, and that's regardless of where this location is. Like you said, you're, you're, I know that you have a Phoenix location. I know that there are locations outside of California. And sometimes, you know, maybe there's a veteran right now that's listening or the, the child of that veteran that's veteran is no longer with us, but might, like you had this desire, like, you know, I'm retired now. I have a lot of free time on my hands. Maybe this is my opportunity to go and say, what could I do? And there's never too small of a commitment. It's not like, well, if you can't do this, then forget it. We don't want you. There is always going to be a need for whatever somebody is capable of bringing to the table. Am I right about that? Yes, you're very right. Yes. Yes. No no time of. Uh, giving or amount is too small. So we appreciate it all. And and I'm sure that you do. And, you know, how fun would it be? You know, we are, we happen to be very close to SoFi Stadium. I mean, it's in Inglewood. And um, I think that I read something somewhere about, did you guys um, have an opportunity to go and um, the Rams recognized you. Is that something that also happened yes. this, this past year? Yes. Yeah. Actually, it was this past Friday. They um, came out and um, for their annual salute to service, the Rams came out with their cheerleaders and, oh. and uh, with Rocket Mortgage and with uh, their mascot and provided a meal, um, a barbecue meal for the veterans at our site, which they were very happy with. So, we do take our partnerships in the community very seriously and are thankful for our partners such as the Rams that come out and provide um, opportunities for our guys, also that being employment, but also um, give back to us financially to help continuously support our veterans. Well, I think it's it's wonderful and I see where I'm just kind of scrolling through your page. I see where there was something called the Spectrum Awards that was this past yes. spring. And that looks like they made a nice donation for you. Denny's Mobile Relief, another another organization. So I think that this is wonderful. And people that want to really recognize that Veterans Day doesn't mean this is a day when we don't get mail. All right? It, that that that's aside. What is it that that we can all say or do? If everybody that's listening said, you know what, I've got an extra hundred dollars, I have an extra ten dollars, whatever that might be. There's no amount that's too small. And I I mean I see that you can donate it starting at twenty five dollars. You can you can donate an other amount. You can donate monthly. Yeah. And how lovely. Um, I, I know we haven't had a chance to talk about Kevin, but I, I am going to mention Kevin in my follow-up blog because he, he's, a, he's also a success story, is he not, Kevin? I can see. Yes, Kevin, our program manager, has been amazing. He um, was once um, 
in our program a Air Force veteran who has successfully um, been a support for our veterans um, after his transition out of the program. Um, he came back to the organization, donated his time as um, in outreach. He um, then became our outreach coordinator and has rose up the ranks and is a significant leader at our site as our program manager and has done outstanding work um, as a veteran um, and is still at our site today helping to engage veterans off the street. I think this is a wonderful way to end our conversation. The, I, why do I feel like, and I do this, I don't know if other people do this, but I do this. As you were saying that, my right hand went over my heart. I'm not kidding you. It went over my heart not as a, as a salute, as a, grateful, as a grateful listener, as someone that, that, that is so grateful for what our veterans have done and for, for Kevin to have known both sides of this, to well, actually three sides, being a veteran, finding himself with barriers that knocked him off track, and then bringing it back and saying, I know how I can help people. I have, I have walked in your boots. I think is really, it says a lot about what you guys do. And I'm just, I am just so grateful that you could spend this time with me, particularly this week, in um, acknowledging um, the veterans. And I'm, I'm looking forward to coming and playing bingo with you. And you know, next, not this Friday, but the following Friday, and <laughs> um, and meeting and meeting some of the people that you've been talking about. It's been an honor to have you join me, and to also to honor our fathers. Who art in heaven? Thank you so anyway, much. Thank so, you so much, Marcia. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Jessica. And for all of you out there, you know, take a moment and just reflect on where our country is today. And um, I will be here next week with my guests on the 15th. But for now, I just want to wish you all a wonderful afternoon. And thank you once again for joining me on the Born to Talk radio show. Bye for now, everybody.